Hello, and welcome to ACS Chemical Biology's show for February 2009. I'm Eric Martins, Managing Editor for the Journal. I'm joined by Assistant Managing Editor Anirban Mahapatra. Hi, Anirban. Hi, Eric. Hello, everyone. This month, we highlight four research papers and one review. In one article, researchers led by Raymond Anderson use cell-based screening in a technique called saturation transfer double difference NMR spectroscopy to discover a new cannabinoid receptor agonist and to elucidate its interactions with receptors. In another paper, researchers led by Ashton Kropp describe a method for creating a collection of mutants in which every amino acid in a given protein is replaced. We will be speaking with Dr. Kropp later in the show. Also in the current issue, researchers led by Dr. Mark Gurney report the development of small molecule antagonists of a novel antiplatelet target, the platelet EP3 receptor for prostaglandin E2. We also feature an article from the lab of Dr. Jan Ellenberg that describes a technique in which a protein labeled with a photosensitizer is inactivated upon exposure to light, thereby enabling analysis of protein function in live cells in real time. Our review, which comes from the lab of Kurt Frederick, analyzes a step in protein translation called translocation. The review details the structural and dynamic aspects of translocation, as well as the mechanisms behind the antibiotics that target it. But first, we'd like to highlight some interesting content you'll find only on our website. In Ask the Expert, we give you the opportunity to pose questions directly to top scientists in the field. Our current expert is Dr. Helen Blackwell, assistant professor in the Department of Chemistry at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. She'll be fielding your questions about the use of chemical approaches in the control of bacterial cell-to-cell signaling. Submit your questions for her today at www.acschemicalbiology.org. To learn more about the authors of the papers in the current issue, please see the Introducing Our Authors feature in print and on the web. This month, we meet four young scientists, Kelly Daggett, Ancha Kepler, Albin Pereira, and Shinichiro Shoji. Read this section and get a younger chemical biologist's perspective on their research. We continue to define chem-bio-glossary terms on the air. This month's key phrase is translocation. In protein synthesis, Translocation is the coupled movement of tRNA and mRNA catalyzed by elongation factor G and GTP in the ribosome. We are now joined by Dr. Ashton Kropp at the Department of Chemistry and Biochemistry, University of Maryland, College Park. Hi, Ashton. It's a pleasure to be talking to you today. Hey, Ani. Uh, Thanks for having me on here. So in the current issue of ACS Chemical Biology, your lab has described a system for creating protein variants in which each amino acid of a protein of interest can be altered. Why is this sort of system desirable? So protein mutagenesis, it's been around a long time, and almost every biochemistry lab does this, right? And it's probably the most important thing associated with protein science. And nowadays, people even use unnatural amino acids in, in protein mutagenesis, I would say the main problem with doing protein mutagenesis is the time it takes. And that it's fine and it's not a problem if you want to make one or two or or maybe even 20 protein mutants, but if you wanted to make thousands of them, it's just not feasible in a normal biochemistry lab. It can be time-consuming. So basically what we've done in this paper is is develop a method where you can fairly rapidly make a, a mixture of proteins that contain single amino acid mutations. And in this case, they're unnatural amino acid mutations, and they're all located at different positions. So you can imagine that if you were trying to use unnatural amino acids to probe or enhance your protein activity, for example, and you didn't know the structure, you would want to try out lots of different places, and this is just a way to facilitate that. So how is your approach different from what else is out there? That's right. So 
people have been using in vitro transposon mutagenesis to manipulate the DNA sequence that's on proteins for a while now. Um, in fact, you can even buy kits that do this. And some of the methods that have been described in the literature uh, allow you to change, add to, or remove from a DNA sequence that's encoded on a plasmid. And this is all done in a quote-unquote random fashion. And what we've done here is two things, really. We've ensured that the DNA changes that you make to the plasmid result in amber stop codon mutations, or the sequence uh, TAG, which is normally a stop codon. And more importantly, we've developed a genetic selection that when you perform this, it ensures that all of those changes to the DNA sequence occur in the correct reading frame of the protein. And this was actually the, the hardest part of the process. So also in this paper, you've described a proof-of-principle experiment. And for the benefit of our listeners, could you briefly run us through what you observed? Sure. So the experiment starts with a plasmid that contains a open reading frame that encodes a protein. In this case, we used a gene that encodes an enzyme called glutathione as transferase, but it, like you said, as a proof of principle, it could be any protein. And then we perform uh, in vitro transposon mutagenesis on the plasmid, and this is you know, just a, an in vitro enzymatic reaction that you do on DNA and solution. It takes about an afternoon, and then the next morning you have thousands of E. coli colonies that all contain plasmids that have a selectable marker that's located in a random position. We then remove that selectable marker by digesting with a restriction enzyme that you can buy. It's a commercially available enzyme. And then ligating a new segment of DNA that is also a selectable marker, but it's only a selectable marker if it ligates in the correct frame of the protein, in this case, glutathione is transferase. And so we plate those E. coli on plates that contain ampicillin for the selection marker, and then you recover all those plasmids and remove the selection marker. And that, the net result is you end up with thousands of colonies that contain your original plasmid, but they also contain a single codon change within that plasmid. So all the same, but, but with three nucleotides changed. That sounds really interesting. And so I have a final question. Could you tell us a little bit about what else your lab is working on right now? Sure. In the paper, we made this library plasmids, and then we used them to put in a, a photoreactive unnatural amino acid. This amino acid can actually cross-link to, to protein interaction partners when you shine light on it, provided that the uh, mutations occur in the correct places. And so right now what we're trying to do is, is figure out if we can use this pool of mutant proteins to map out protein-protein interactions by isolating those mutants from that pool of hundreds of other mutants that actually cross-link to other proteins and then use mass spectrometry to map where those cross-links occur within the protein sequence. And this is something that you really can't do unless you have the ability to make these large libraries of mutants. Well, good luck with those experiments, and thanks for joining us today. Sure, thank you. Did you know that you can network with thousands of other professionals at the new ACS networking site? ACS Network is a professional networking platform that enables you to connect, communicate, and collaborate with other like-minded chemists and chemistry enthusiasts. Sign up online today. You'll find a link with additional information on the ACS main webpage at www.acs.org. That's it for this month's show. Join us next month for more ACS chemical biology highlights and interviews with our authors. To learn more about the journal, please visit www.acschemicalbiology.org. Thanks to all of you for listening.